I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In this podcast, we chat about the win against Sheffield United and QPR. Look ahead to West Brom and then see your podcast questions. This is the Bora Breakdown podcast and this is our Bora Master Chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the area. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And I tell you what, Bora love the number three at the moment. Another game, three games in a row. We've won 3 1. And the last time that happened, something probably did happen. But, you know, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Something happened and it really worked. <laughs> um, but yeah, 3 3 1 for Bora yesterday against QPR, 3 1 against Sheffield United. We're flying the league with four points from the top. Two, I can't believe I'm actually saying that given we were 11, 11 points last week, but now it's four. Um, guys, I would normally ask you how you're feeling in, in three words, but I just kind of want to ask you how you're feeling in general because wow, what an absolute turnaround we've had over like the last few weeks. And credit to Michael Carrick, you know, 72 win percent right now, um, which is the highest I think I'll ever ever see a borough manager have. Um, mm. it's amazing. But then, um, how are you feeling about Borough at the moment? Just really proud, really, really proud. I remember when we put up a post after the Sunderland defeat, basically just listing our next five games. I never thought at that point that we'd get maximum points from those five games. That is incredible. It really is. That bounce back ability is quite something. And I tell you what, there's there's this big conversation at the moment. Of course, there is around, you know, Canberra get second place. But I think incentive is a really, really big thing in football. And when there's possibilities and those possibilities are becoming ever more possible, that can take a team an awful long way. So I'm really happy to just believe in this team. And I can't believe that the gap has been closed to, to four points. Of course, Sheffield United do have a game in hand, but we just look like we... <sighs> are unbreakable to be honest and that is just such a good feeling and if you would like a mock t-shirt um it's available at t-shirt.co.uk <laughs> and you'll find your mock t-shirt there. oh it's two it's been two minutes johnny you got that in early you've got to get them in early got to get them in early um tom 
how are you feeling at the moment as well? Um, you know, big day in hospitality again yesterday. You, you're getting you're getting used to this hospitality, Mark, as well. You, you're always uh, there. You're always mate, there. I'm, I'm in again against Reading, but um, yeah, rough would be the word this morning. Uh, <laughs> but um, in terms of the football, starting to believe. Um, I think just to touch on some of Dan, as you said there, would never have expected maximum points for the, the five games after after Sunderland. And, you know, I said on the last pod that I was going to Sheffield United, didn't even expect, you know, much from that, uh, having not seen a, a decent away win in, in quite a while. But that that was just some some performance on the, on Wednesday night. And uh, it was absolutely incredible a win to, uh, to be in. And then yesterday, as much as I thought the first half was a, a little bit, you know, flat compared to Wednesday, and we made you know hard work of it from from that point. I think second half we just improved so much, and I think it's it's the um, the old thing where it, it's like even if you don't necessarily play your best, but you're getting a win, and to win like that as well, uh, while not necessarily playing our, our best as well, I think it's um, it just gives you your reason to to believe, and I think from I mean. Touchwood. I don't want to curse us, but I feel like the the running for the end of the season is now going to be a lot more interesting than than previously would have thought. Mm. What's impressed you the most, Tom, about this week in general? Because obviously, there's there's a lot. Obviously, the bounce back ability is fantastic. But what's really <clears> impressed <throat> about getting the wins this week? Well, I mean, the most impressive thing I would say would be coming back from a goal down against Sheffield United. Um, you know. They started really well on on Wednesday night, and as soon as that goal went in, it's just that that sickening sound you hear when you're in the away end of the whole, you know, three quarters of the stadium cheering. And I was just straight on my phone messaging you guys and messaging others, going, "Ah, and like I'm dis- disappointed with that goal to concede." And I thought it was going to end, end up being three or four nil by that point, but then it just changed from from that point onwards. It, it just seemed like that was the wake-up call we needed and they went to sleep straight afterwards. Um, and then we just absolutely outplayed them for, for the rest of the game. Um, such a good performance. And whereas I think it would have been easy to for heads to drop at that point. And I think we, we saw that last season at Sheffield United away under Chris Wilder, um, where, you know, heads did drop and we ended up losing 4-1. It's, it's just... The mentality is so impressive of of our players to just take that and be like, all right, now it's our turn. We'll score free, and then you know the the performance yesterday. Like I said, didn't think we were at our our best in the first half. But it was in, interesting. Um, I read in the Gazette, I think this morning, uh, where Carrick was saying he just kind of had a laugh and a joke with the players at halftime, and that was the way of getting them ready for the second half. I'm like, that's, that's great. Well, it's turned out to be great management because. <laughs> and uh you know done bits but um you know it's just so good to watch us at, at the moment like i say even when we weren't particularly playing well yesterday in, in my opinion we've still managed to get a free one win um I, I think usually if if you can say oh, our team didn't play well but the one it'd usually be like one nil but we've still managed to get a free nil win from uh free one win from it it's uh just great great to see at the moment then I'll ask you the same question as well. What, what's what's impressed you the most? I think that we have opened up an eight-point gap on the seventh, which I think is crucially important, and it's getting lost in the discussions around second place because I think at worst 
we'll get a playoff place. And hopefully I haven't malt cursed us there, but it does feel like that's a, a large possibility. And also that we've become the second highest goal scorers in the league because, you know, the the time of which I started supporting Middlesbrough, from that point onwards, I've seen some garbage, garbage, garbage teams that can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. And we are such a good team at the moment in terms of scoring goals that, you know, we... Um, I, I think we're only a few goals away from Burnley, actually, in terms of goals scored this season. And that's just everything that I've ever, ever wanted and dreamt of of a Borough team. You know, we've seen some defensive first teams, some teams that, you know, do pride themselves on clean sheets and closing off opportunities for the opposition. But this Middlesbrough team are just so good to watch. They're so fun to watch and they're scoring goals at will. You know, three, three, one victories in a row. I think four times we've scored three goals that in a, in a row. That is incredible. And I'm so happy with that. That's probably impressed me the most. Mm. Uh, Michael Carrick's free scoring Redzer. Um, mm, you can't, you can't, you, you can't, you can't, I never thought I'd ever say that ever. Um, but it does feel like a bit of a dream at the moment. And we've just been really impressive. Um, not just over the last week, but I think since Carrick's came in the building, we've been really, really good. And we when we'll continue the praise um probably as we dissect the games now. And I'll go to Sheffield United first because we did make one change um coming into the game with uh, Dale Fry coming in for Paddy McNair. We did go one 0 down after five minutes, Tom, like you mentioned, with Alan McBurney uh, scoring. Was it McBurney or was it, you know, uh maybe I don't try, really know. Try to it was given. I can't. Well, Dana, you, I'm dyslexic, so I am not going to even try. Yeah, I can't, to I can't even pronounce it. Um, so yes, uh, just call him Manel. So just call, call him Todd. Todd. Yeah, call Paul him Todd. Sitch. Easier. Todd. Scotty. <laughs> call him Scotty. Yeah, the thing is with Scotty, like he, he always, he always scores the scores the hard ones, but never scores the easy ones. Just, just this thing with Scotty. But anyway, no one will ever get that reference. But um, we turned it around with Akpom and Archer and gave Bor a huge, huge win in the land of the greasy chip butty. Um, Tom, you you said that you're going to the brambles of the lanes um, <laughs> and, and the last podcast. And I am fully aware it is Bramble Lane, not Bramble Lane. It was, that was why it was a joke. I'm just looking at you, YouTube comments. Um, Tom, uh what were your thoughts on, on, on the game uh, and the night at, Bram, at Brambles of the Lanes? Because um, like you are saying that that first five minutes was, oh no, this is going to be the worst night. And it just turned out so beautifully well for us, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was my first trip to Titus Bramble Lane, and uh, <laughs> so it's, it's not one I'm going to uh, not, not one I'm going to forget. I thought on the lead up to the game, the you know the Borough fans were absolutely fantastic around us. Um, such an atmosphere there. I think everyone was was pretty confident going into it, except maybe for me because I'm looking in the, in the photos and I just look really uh, like anxious and, and on edge in the. Um, well, not not even that. Just uh, for some reason, I've got rest and angry face. I look like an extra from Green Street in the photos before the match. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like I say, good atmosphere leading up to it. And then it, it's not even that that goal quietened us or anything like that. I mean, it was the first time I'd really heard the Sheffield United fans, other than the song they sing when the game starts. Um, but like I said, they just seem to score one goal and just think, oh, well, job done now. Whereas we conceded that one goal and just thought, right, it's our turn. And just some of the play from there, I think in the next five minutes after that, I was thinking, 
we're going to be the next ones to score here because we're getting it on the ground again, um, playing some some decent stuff. Whereas I think the the first 10, 15 minutes or so was just wave after wave of their attacking and we're trying to get it clear. Um, you know, I think there was there was one prime example of that where Tommy Smith absolutely levered the ball straight into one of our players, I think it might have been Housen, um, and then it bounced back through for, for them on goal. And it, it just seemed like at that point, nothing was going to fall for us. But like I said, we, we got it on the ground after that, started playing our way, and then it looked like there was only ever going to be one team that scored. Um, and then just after after the first goal, like we never shut up singing. Like I say, great atmosphere. The um, the football in a library song is going to uh, live with me for quite a few weeks. I thought that was uh, incredible. And <laughs> also, um, I don't know if... You know, I might have ended up a bit on Sky Sports at one point, but um, I was sat about four seats over from Yusuf. So, uh, you know, you con- constantly got Yusuf singing during the game, which uh, m- makes it you know a- even better, kind of like leading the <laughs> um, leading the chance from that. But like I say, it was such a good performance from us. Um, I got in about half one from that game because uh, the traffic people in Sheffield had decided to close the M1 and send everyone through Wakefield. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see the best shop in Waking, but um, yeah, I think it was we wouldn't have been bothered at that point anyway at half one in the morning, but got back in and then just watched the highlights of the game, um, <laughs> even even though it was like half one in the morning because, like I say, it was, it was just such an impressive win. Um, so, like, I was just taking in all of the Borough content that I could for about the next 24 hours after that. I, you know, watched the highlights, woke up a few hours later to go to work and put um, Red Alert on so I can listen to the uh, the post-match phone and stuff like that. It was just such a good feeling after that game. Were you laid yeah. in bed staring at the ceiling like that Chris Hughes meme from <clears throat> Love Island? Uh, no, <laughs> actually wasn't. I was. Um... Again. <laughs> It's it's good, like to be fair, like I mean, like that that win in itself was just amazing, wasn't it? And and to be fair, Tommy, you know, going through shaky wakey, you know, you you did miss making miss uh, miss wakey wines, and um, it was all all fun and games. But I think obviously the start of the game as well, like we we do chat about it, but that that early goal, Dana, and the way they dominated us in the first five minutes, I kind of want to score on it a little bit more because. When we do fear the worst in those situations, we obviously did get out of him and responded really well. But how were like Sheffield and I able to dominate those early stages, in your opinion? I think they were setting up in a in a man marking press that whenever Lenahan in particular got the ball, they were on him. And it was really difficult for Lenahan to play those passes that we usually see. Uh, into House and a Hackney, they were increasingly difficult to play because if you pass to House and then you've got McAtee breathing down his neck, it was really difficult for Borough to play their usual game. And something that I said before the match and the build-up to it and on the last pod is I really wanted to see us mix our game up, and we did, and I'll get onto that in a second. You know, we, we changed tact ever so slightly by trying to get those balls out wide to Smith, Giles and Force, as opposed to playing it in those deep central areas because Sheffield United can and will pick teams off uh, if that is done. But what ended up happening was that it was Borough that were picking them off, which I was really, really impressed with. Um, Marcus Force had a really important role uh, in the build-out because instead of passing to, to central where... 
you know, it was, as I said, really difficult for Borough to make sure that they got Hayden Hackney and Johnny Housen on the ball because of that really intense press. Marcus Force was essentially pinning Max Law to uh, a really deep position because obviously Max Law, I think if Marcus Force wasn't there, would be the one pressing Tommy Smith. But because Marcus Force had pinned him to a really deep defensive position, he was able to just give him space to be able to receive that ball from Zach Stefan and then have the the room to run, alleviate pressure and try to build out. So I thought that was really important. But Tommy Smith was our out ball in that game and has been quite frequently of late. You'll see it when Burroughs shifting the ball around the back line. He is the one that's usually free. Um, and I think that that is to do with Marcus Force's position because as he's quite a, you know, he's not somebody that's going to necessarily um, cut in Per se, I think he's probably one to commit the player quite wide and quite deep because he is a, a finisher. He is a striker playing out wide. They've got to attend to him. And I think his role in that game was really important. But I really, really wanted Borough to mix their game up um, and they did. So that was really good because the previous game um, against Sheffield United, sorry, last season, we saw Borough try to play in those central areas. And for one of the goals, Johnny Houser does get dispossessed, if we can see from it. So I was really happy that we had clearly, the players anyway, had clearly learnt from that defeat last season, even if the, the manager is different, and that Carrick himself set Borough up to just mix their game up a bit. I think we saw Borough go a little bit longer than, than we tend to, um, but that's absolutely fine because if you played the way that we usually do, playing into those deep midfield areas, then you are going to get picked off. You know, Swansea did it and got beat because of it. So I really enjoyed that. But I think the way that Sheffield United were pressing us was difficult in the first 12 minutes. And then something happened where um, it turned the tide in Borough's favour that I'll get on to later. Yeah. Um, see, you can, you can always learn a lot from a goal kick, you know, just that the analysis last week and now, now look at what I mean. It, but I agree with you, D. Like it's, it's always important for Borough to have the options done um, from those, <laughs> from those, from those goal kicks. You know, can we play it along? Can we create new, uh, numerical advantages? And can we, um, can we just break teams down? And it was interesting to see how QPR set up and we'll come to that in just a moment as well. But um Tom, I, was, I want to talk about the first goal because long throw at the box and, you know, it was something that we'd expect a, a Tony Pulis team uh, to score uh, back in the day. Um, and also we, the ones where, you know, Ryan Shotman was slinging them in and we never, ever created anything. But Sheffield United <laughs> did. Um, he disappointed in the way we conceded that. Yeah, I mean, the initial disappointment is that we never scored off any of them Ryan Shot and long throws, uh, <laughs> even when we had Aidan Flint. But um, I think recently we've been quite good at defending set pieces, which I don't think we were in the beginning phase of the season. Um, now another team can get a corner. You know, QPR had quite a few in the first half yesterday. And I never felt like we were going to concede from any of those corners. I think we generally do quite well. So to concede from a set piece like that, especially a long throw into the box quite early on, yeah, that was was quite disappointing. Um, watching it back, I couldn't kind of tell how we didn't manage to to um, to get that clear. But um, you know, it, it's obviously something they do quite often and, and are good at. Um, it's just. So it's disappointing to concede a set piece when I think defending them is is quite a strong point of our game recently. 
And then, obviously, Bora reacted to it. He said, you wanted to come onto it, so let's do. Um, the response, Bora getting back in the game, in your opinion, how did Bora do that? I'd love to sit here and say that it was um, Bora themselves, but it was assisted by Oliver Norwood because he tries to play a pass around... 12 minutes in, he wraps his foot around the ball to try to get the ball over to the far side through uh, Jaden Bogle. And he's to the left of the centre circle in our half at this point. And he just undersells it. And Riley McGree is able to pick it off and start a counter. Now, nothing actually comes of this counter in terms of Borough creating a chance. It actually ends up with Tommy Smith trying and unfortunately being unsuccessful in, in trying to keep the ball in. But it was just under a minute of Borough possession, which was our first sustained period of possession in that game. And I think that's all we needed to give ourselves the platform to be able to calm the game down because it was frantic. The opening 10 minutes were, you know, they were swarming on us. They were picking up those second balls. You know, we were pressed within four seconds of the game and forced long. So it was a frantic start, but that was the platform that we needed just to, as I said, calm things down and impose our confidence on the game. And I think that was probably what turned it in that first half and that opening to the game because we just needed a bit of possession. When you do have a frantic start like that, what I'm looking for as a fan is just keep the ball and then grow in confidence. And what we saw after that was Borough at their brilliant, dazzling, delightful best, you know, playing some, again, I'll say it, alluring football. And, you know, the combinations, the link up, the one-twos, the the, the one-touch passes around the side of players, cutting through Sheffield United like they're not even there. It was just brilliant to watch. And, um, yeah, the the first goal was, was brilliant itself. I think that's me underselling it there from Akpom. I mean, that, that like shifting it from his right foot to his, sorry, his left foot to his right foot in a position where I think some strikers would feel pressure, so much pressure to do the right thing that they end up doing the wrong thing. He does that with just this air of tranquility, really, that, you know, I, I, <laughs> that he is the top scorer of the championship, that he's the best performing player of the championship. That move probably epitomised it. It was one, one hell of a goal, honestly. The way that he shifts it, the shimmy, getting it into the bottom corner and sending two Sheffield United players diving desperately to try to block it. It was just a brilliant, brilliant goal. Yeah, and, you know, it, with goals like that, you know, it really does um, completely change the, the complexion of a game. And, you know, obviously he did shift it on his right foot and create the space for him to get the shot away and for Bora to get level. And, you know, we were really good um, in the first half. And, and the part of me was kind of like, it's, this sounds ridiculous, but I thought I was a little bit disappointed in the first half at, at some extent because I thought we could be so much better in possession and also just try and just put that killer ball through. And, you know, obviously there's, there's, there's time where, you know, we have to be a bit patient and we also have to make sure that we, we trust the process because sometimes with the, when you are playing possession-based uh, systems that it's not always going to work, but it did. And we were able to to kick on and do really well in the second half and in 47 minutes, Tom. Um, Cameron Archer scored an absolute worldie. Um, and how important was it uh, for you, uh, for us as well, that we we get in and get in a halftime level, but then take the lead so <laughs> in the second half, and then see the Borough fans throw palmos and chip butties everywhere because it was such a break up. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it would have been important whenever, but I, th- I think the fact that it was in the forty seventh minute, uh, I think, said, um, 
just that that would have made it so much harder for the um, the Sheffield United players. I mean, you, you could see heads dropping from that point on. I think even before the third goal, we were taking the mick a little bit. Um, I think we hit that that sustained bit of pressure um, after the second goal, where uh, a sustained bit of possession. Sorry, where you know the crowd was all in and stuff for what seemed like <laughs> about five minutes. You could just see the the heads dropping so much of not only only the players but the crowd as well. Um so I think for for Cameron Archer to get that so early in the second half just made a a, a massive difference and 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 really kind of added on to that as well. Um like I said earlier the, the Sheffield United uh fans I thought were quite quiet. Looking at their message boards afterwards, it seems like they were kind of well aware of that as well. And it seems like some issues are kind of coming up to light with them at the moment, hopefully at the right time of the season so we can maybe take advantage. But um, yeah, it, it just seemed like that really kind of like added the pressure. And as soon as he scored that, there was only one way that that game was going to go. I will also say as well, based off that goal, I really wish Cameron Archer would trust his left foot a little bit more because there's been times where he's had it one-on-one and he's just looked to shift it onto his right rather than his left. But when you're putting their top ends like that with your left foot from that angle, just use your left foot more. What a pass from Ollie Norwood, by the way. Unbelievable assist. I mean, he, he sort of gets up, tackles, gets up, tackles, gets up, plays the ball straight into Cameron Archer. And I tell you what, you know, a lot of pundits will say that a goalkeeper should never be being as near post, but you simply can't save that. The sheer power that he puts on it, it was just, I mean... Wes Fodderham could not get that, even if there were two of him in the goal. So that was a really, really, really good goal from a very clinical finisher. Yeah, you can't stop a rocket, can you? You know what I mean? And mm. I think it was just a great finish. Well, like you were saying there, Tom, when when the heads went down, it felt like Bora took the souls a little bit. And it was kind of like a game where you just felt like they were, they were never, ever going to come back into that. And it sounds ridiculous, but they, they felt... It did feel like, from from my perspective, that they became a bit more one-dimensional. Didn't know how to. They didn't know each other, and it was really weird seeing Sheffield United play like that. To be honest, um, but the the day and when when your souls soul gets taken in a football match, and you just want the game to end, how can that really affect not just this game, but the games in the future? You know, they got beat yesterday against Millwall. Bora won again. That psychological advantage that Bora have at the moment is just. Pretty mental, right? Go on, Tom. Yeah, just, I was going to say, just to, to add on to that as well, I think you can see a real difference uh, between the connection the Borough team have with with our fans and the Sheffield United uh, team have with their fans as well. I'm not sure what was shown on TV, <clears throat> but towards the end of the game, there was an argument between one of their fans and Jack Robinson when he went to go and take <laughs> a throw in, <laughs> which resulted in... Um, I, I kept watching this after the match because he kept having a go. Um, about four of their fans ended up going over and starting on this one fan. It was having a go at Jack Robinson. Then Stewart's got involved, and you know, it, it just you, you would never kind of see that with us who were third in the league and they're, they're second in the league and you're getting that sort of reaction from from the fans. Um, and also. I would like to add, because I don't think this was picked up on TV, at least it wasn't when I mentioned it in the chat the other day. Um, Riley McGree 
potential nomination for Shit House Island because he got subbed <laughs> off. He had to leave the pitch at the, the closest point, which was actually right in front of where that fan was sat who was having a go at Jack Robinson. Someone who was having a go at Riley McGree on his walk past, who just kept on pointing up at the scoreboard. <laughs> all all the Borough fans who were watching there, me, were absolutely loving it and laughing our heads off. He, he got a pretty much standing ovation. As, well, everyone stands at where it is, don't they? But it, Riley McGree got, got proper ovation when he walked past us just after that. I tell you what, yeah. on that Jack Robinson thing, for a side that have claimed for the past two weeks that they're not rattled, they're certainly acting like a team that are rattled. Because, I mean, after the third goal, Paul Hecky Heckingbottom, the horrible little gremlin that he is, <laughs> kicking the substitutions board, like your dar kicks the substitutions board when your team concedes. Like, kicking a dog oh. when your bet loses. That's, uh, you see him. You see him. <laughs> they're rattled. They're rattled. Yeah, it, well, I was saying that you're saying like it, the, the souls get taken from from those moments, and you know, obviously, Sheffield United are still a great side. You know, they're, they're going to probably come again the next few games, and I'm really, really intrigued to see how they get on the next few games. You know, teams in and around them in, in the playoffs, and it seems that teams are finding them out at a time where you really don't want to be found out. Um, but look, when you are in that position, you've got a really good side. You're so many points ahead and once that complacency starts to hit and once the mentality just shifts ever so slightly it's very very difficult um to get yourself back going again but i'll be interested to see how they they fare up but it also could happen to us as well you know we could lose two in a row and it's all done and dusted but that's just that is football as um as grant Grant but would always say that it's football (laughs) so um we'll see but uh there were some really key moments which I think we need to analyse as well, Dan. Obviously, you want to have an assessment on the second half of Tarity, but there is some uh, knee slide club um, mentions going as well. So, would you want to assess the second half first? Yes. Um, you know what? I thought it was a really, really good second half. Um, you know, really open game of football and really entertaining as well to be honest it was sort of we'll go down one end and then you'll go down the other and and it was just very very open uh, um, and there was a moment in the game actually where Sheffield United were getting back into things and they brought on Daniel Jebison and it looked like they was tr- they were starting to maybe threaten a little bit more uh, it was 67 minutes in where Tommy Smith makes a really key block actually the ball ends up going out for a throw in and the Sheffield United fans are just, you know, on their feet in encouragement because they can sense that they're probing, they're probably likely to get an equaliser. And Tommy Smith just stays down. And whether or not he's injured, and, you know, they didn't mention this on the Sky commentary, but on BBC T's, they were saying, you know, Tommy Smith has been around the block, he knows when to stop the game. I thought that was brilliant in-game management from Smith because, you know, he just stops the game dead. He takes the sting out of it, as they say. And it just allowed Borough to, again, calm the game down. When it was a little bit heightened emotionally, Borough were able to just calm things down. And I really enjoyed that from Smith. I said to you in the group chat, brilliant, Smith, you know, staying down um, and just taking the sting out of it because, you know, suddenly their fans turned from encouraging them to then booing Smith for, for staying down when he did. So I thought that was really good, but it was just a really fantastic second half where, you know, Borough were looking to kill the game off. And I think it probably is a foul on on McAtee. A lot of um, Sheffield United fans were, 
not happy with Andre Mariner, but I think there's enough time between McAtee being fouled by Hackney and then Jebison losing the ball. Brilliant tackle from Marcus Voss, by the way, very improvised, mm. sort of like like a scorpion almost. But he he wins the ball back, drives uh, Hayne Hackney, and then the, <laughs> the Megs on John Egan, by the way. Happy 200th Sheffield United appearance, John Egan. And then Cameron Archer puts the ball into the back of the net. Um I say that that wasn't a very good description of it. So he sort of like almost to a degree looked like he was going to get in front of the ball, but he just stops it. He he, changes his body shape and then curls it into the corner. It was just brilliant. Pandemonium. You can just shove your greasy chip butties up your ass because it was Borough's night. And, you know, we're all really, really happy with that. I couldn't believe it. It It was just a brilliant, brilliant performance from us. Very aggressive uh, there, Dana. Um, well, I'm wearing my Shithouse Island t-shirt, so it's just it's just a, what this t- shirt does. Pulling a chip boy where it should never go. Um, but here we are. Um, <laughs> it's Borough Breakdown podcast and nothing is off limits. Um, but two, obviously, knee slides to talk about as well, Dana. The knee slide club, the only place where you're in a club for sliding on your knees. Um, so <laughs> should we go for two Akpom first, a lovely finish, and then decided to to slide on his knees yeah lovely finish potentially lovely celebration but i don't think he quite executed it um he tries to go for it and then falls on his way up which was really unfortunate um i mean the celebration after was was brilliant um you know but it's just that little stumble on the way up that i think Mm. does it for him um so he said was gone well, I, th- I think he's went too knee heavy there. I think you know you've got to really emphasise the the shin motion to really get mm. the 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 slide it- itself. You know the salt. Yeah, the, the slide sl- itself <laughs> is a bit. <laughs> I feel like the slide's a bit subdued, mm. and then it's the it's the execution of the of the finish that was that let him down a bit. I think yeah, you know we've seen better from that point. I would say a five. Mm, a five. I would ten. And then, you know, the, the Cameron Archer, um Cameron Archer one for the I think it was the second goal, wasn't it? It's just the knee slide. Um Yes, and it was. Yeah. I just wanna see this one again because, you know, I feel like he's you know, he's got the ball, he's ready to go, he's he's gonna he's gonna throw the arch. Um uh, uh, the, <laughs> the the arrow, sorry. Um we took the arch motion, but then just falls on his knees. Um for me. That's where you see an ACL blow. Um but you know, he did it anyway. Um but let, let's let's have a look at it. If we can if we got the clip. Yeah, it's it, it it ain't great. I mean, there's a nice little tumble there as he realizes mm. that he just hasn't quite got it. But it, it he tries to load his boat and he and he fails because well the knee slide fails. So it's um, it, it ain't great. It's a hall of shamer, I think, from um, Cameron Archer. But I mean, the finish we can let him off because of the finish. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a great finish, you know, and he just has has a little roll as well and has a little bump with with Akpom as well, just to try and really sell um, the knee slide afterwards. Um, but you know, we adapted celebrations um, in the next game against QPR, where it became a cheek slide club, and the cheek slide club is sponsored by the Cheeky Girls. Um, so. <laughs> Um, but we'll come to that a little bit later on. We don't have the clips, unfortunately, but we will discuss that in just a moment. But let's move on um, to questions before we go to QPR. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Because every week you get the chance to send us a question for this podcast and you can do it via Twitter, Bore underscore breakdown. Um, email the Bore breakdown at hotmail.com or by joining the Telegram chat. Um, the Telegram chat where we do talk about Bore sometimes, probably not most of the time but we do anyway um but the first question um it's from rob and he says do we need to think of an alternative approach to our corners and multiple balls hit straight to the keeper there possible switch to a short corner routine involving two or three players shifting the ball about um tom do you think we we've spoke about this before a few weeks ago and i'm all for a short corner i really enjoy them Um, but what do you think I would agree with that um, because I keep backing Daryl Enhan to score anytime, and he's let me down for <laughs> six hundred and fifty quid this week twice. Well, oh. well, o- overall because uh, because uh, we haven't seen the Lenahan goal, which I'm sure is going to come off a corner, but we need we need to provide him with the right service. So, yeah, um, there were quite a few yesterday. Um, I would say mainly from Balassa, um, which were kind of like floated mm. in into the six yard box, quite easy for Dian to get to. Um, personally, I'd like to see in swingers on either side. Um, so that that's the way I would go with it. Uh, kind of get a bit of whip on the corners. But if it turns out that you know uh, that type of routine is the best way to go, absolutely not against that. I think that helps Giles play to his strengths in terms of the uh, the crossing because he doesn't seem to be as good at dead ball situations as he is uh, in open play with crossing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably good to mix it up a bit, have both options on the table. Um, but oh. we... <laughs> both options done on the table. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think in swingers on either sides or uh, the the options done to uh, to play it <laughs> short and, and and get a, a cross in from a better position. 
I was reading something the other day and I was trying to find it because the book was next to me um, while you were talking there, Tom. Uh, it's a How to Watch Football uh, by T4. I mean, it's, it's quite fun, actually. It's quite a nice book to look at. Um, but there's a stat in there and, it's, and I couldn't find it whilst you were saying it, but I think it's like two out of 100 corners you tend to score from. So two out of 100. So it's very low. There's statistically more of a chance in you scoring from a long throw than there is a corner, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. So why do fans love corners so much you know um but yeah i think we i think we should shift um like you were saying there tom shot corners uh give you a better angle and you can whip the ball in from like the half space area and we did yesterday and it was a lovely lovely goal um but the next question and then i thought i'd would come to you because it was involving marcus tavernier we haven't spoken Tav in a long <laughs> long time um marcus tavernier the guy who was gas mark six uh for two seasons until you you started uh, eating Max Avenue, <laughs> not physically eating, Whoa. but you know, um, like a cannibal. But I mean, like just uh, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed it essentially. Um, anyway, Max Avenue. It was something interesting. Uh, could um, would Max Avenue get into the current starting eleven? And Kevin asked, has McGree filled Tav's position? Um, would Tav get in this eleven, Dale? Or I think so. Yeah, it would be similar yeah. to. Dale Fry and, and Paddy McNair in that, you know, they will rotate for each other. We've seen that recently and, you know, under Michael Carrick, it is very much a squad game. So I think he would, you know, he's a good player. He's got three goals in his last three starts for Bournemouth. Bit annoyed that I benched him on FPL yesterday, but it is what it is. In terms of, you know, Husband Grayfield, Tab's position, well, you know, they're playing different positions, aren't they? Tab was that ball carrying high energy number eight um, in a midfield um, <clears throat> three and then you know, uh, yeah, McGree's in that, I was going to say floating role, like he's levitating, but he's in that very fluid uh, left-wing role, but he cut, cuts inside, comes central, plays in the half space, um, plays between the lines there. So, yeah, different positions, but I think Tav could probably play McGree's position um, just because I think we have we have seen with, with Tav, he does like to cut inside. Um, but I will say McGree is playing fantastically at the moment, so it would be difficult to get him out of the starting eleven. Yeah. I, I would like to see Tav in, in that Hayden Hackney role, to be honest, um, with, with House and Centre Field. You know, it was ball progressive midfielder. You can play on the half turn, find a bit of balance with the left foot. You know, he's, mm. he, he had it all. He had all the attributes yeah. to do it. So, who knows? He could play either, either role, I think. But he's doing very, very well at Bournemouth. Um, so, congratulations to him. Um, but next question is from Ben. He says, how does this season and squad compare to the one we had on the Karankas promotion season? Uh, Tom, how does this compare? I, th- I think there is uh, a slight comparison to be made in terms of the atmosphere and the connection between the fans and the team. Uh, for sure, it's, it seems like there's that kind of real positive feeling around the club, same as there was during that uh, promotion season. Hopefully, uh, Carrick's not going to have a walkout in the next month or so, so it, it won't be uh, compar- that comparable. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I think looking at the at the team, it, it's a different feel of kind of where the teams were. Obviously, the promotion team was built for a couple of years prior, and then we went into that season expecting promotion. And fair enough, we went into this season expecting promotion as well. But with where we were when Carrick took over. It really seemed like that wasn't going to be the case, um, and that you know certain areas in the squad needed addressing and stuff like that. But when you think about it, in the last couple of years, we have been 
I, I think especially from last Jan- January transfer window onwards, we have been building the, the team up in the right places. Um, and looking at the at the team now, I, I think it's generally quite strong. Um, and compared to to the team that that went up, I, I, I think we're we're starting to see. Not really, not really similarities because it's different play style. But in terms of the strength, I think it's it's getting there. I think it's around equal. Um, in fairness, the the team that went up didn't have a a striker which uh, you know scored nineteen goals. So I think that's the that's the main difference. Um, but yeah, I, I think the positive feeling is definitely similar. And I think in terms of the strength of the squad, we're really starting to see the full potential of, of this team now, which would be quite similar potential-wise to, to what we had when we went up. Okay, then. Well, the next question uh, it's from Remy. He says, uh, is our will score more than them attitude going to be sustainable uh, to go for an automatic promotion push? Uh, we're considering relatively high XG chances uh, each game and haven't been punished as of yet. Do we need to tighten up at the back? Uh, Dana Malt, would you like to take this one? Yeah, obviously this came to us before the QPR game. Um, in terms of XG, yes, we have conceded uh, a few opportunities. Have a look at info goal um, against Sheffield United. It was uh, 2.49 XG for them versus 1.27 for us. Of course, you know the probably the enjoy chance where he runs through on goal and then both Zach Stefan and Dale Fry close the angle down for him. But then you know, I think game state matters. There was a big chance um, from John Egan towards the end of the game. I think um, that accounted for the highest value at single value XG in that match where it was that header that it was fairly easy for for Zach Steffen to save should have done better with that so I think that you know accounts for as I said the highest value um XG there but then Cardiff uh 1.89 actually for them versus 1.95 for for us of course the Kipre chance where he heads it down and over the crossbar I think we've got to think about that uh Blackpool we had point. 8.4 XG versus their 1.59, the Jerry Yates chance that they hit the crossbar, of course, a particular chance of note. And then Watford, uh, 2.31 XG for us, 1.12 uh, for them, the Martins chance where he runs in. And, you know, I was expecting that to at least test Stefan and fortunately for us, he slips. So I think, you know, we are letting up these opportunities, but I do think that our will outscore them sort of mentality will last because we had this isn't just a team that's relying on one player. Obviously Chu Bratpom, top goals guy in the championship, but you know you've got Riley McGree who's chipping in with with goals now. Cameron Archer on the score sheet against Cardiff, you know, then two against Sheffield United. You've got Marcus Voss in amongst the goals. There are a lot of threats in that Mills team, crooks as well, you know, coming off the bench and, and making an impact. So I think we we do have the um, the options there to be able to still outscore teams, and you know, in terms of goals per game, one point seven goals per game. We've scored fifty six. Um, Burnley are on sixty three. So you know, we we do have a team that are capable of outscoring. So I think we are going to concede these these high actually chances. But for me, right now, it's not not so much of a worry. Our game can't be perfect, but our attack. Uh, is very very important. Yeah, we we do uh, have a very important attack, and 
it's really nice to see us just create so many chances, which is also really fun uh, to see. But the final question is from his, Izzy Slovenian. He says, uh, did Carrick design Akpom's deeper role to suit Akpom specifically, or have we struck lucky that we have a player in Akpom that can play a role uh, that has always been part of, been part of Carrick's tactical plans? Um, things are true with Akpom. Uh, I think, no, I may be, I may be wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure when he was coming through, he was definitely more of like a cam, and then like more like a number... Like a cam slash a centre forward, uh, but could play in between the lines. And then as he's you know progressed through his career, um, I think he's always been suited to a way of playing um, that is suited towards more possession, free flow, and give him a bit of a free roam, and he will deliver the goods. And he had that at Arsenal, and he, that's why he had the, a really good name, and that's why you know I think it was the was it Daily Mirror that said it, it was going to be at the World Cup in twenty twenty six or something. Um, but he's ha- he's always had the talent and always had that game intelligence and you know I think Carrick's done excellent um, in bringing him in uh, not just bringing him obviously Wilder brought him back with with Leo um, I think because they were forced to uh, but he's <laughs> he, he's he's came he's came back and he's just suited the system um, in, in a way of playing that has given him more dominant on the ball allows him to have a bit more of a free roam and, and create space for others and you know also just on top of that. True Brackpom deserves a lot of credit. Um, he has put himself in this position. You know, all the extra work, all of the video analysis, all the extra yards, all of the the game management and working on himself um, is probably the reason why we're seeing such a successful player um, at the moment and a really high-performing one as well. And I think he's just a, a pleasure to watch at the moment. But does he suit um, Carrick's way of playing? Absolutely, he does. Uh, are we lucky that he, he fits the system? Of course we are. Um, but it just needed a way of playing to unlock that because he was never going to unlock that under Neil Warnock. Never, ever, ever going to unlock that because a striker doesn't touch the ball under Neil Warnock unless you're six foot four. Um, but he's, <laughs> yep, he's done really, really well. Um, and, you know, up, uh, the podcast, the QBR podcast, up the yards, um, said, can we borrow him for a few games? And... No, uh, you can't. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we get promoted, but we are scoring goals everywhere else, so maybe one or two games, who knows? Um, but let's let's talk about QPR then, because we made three changes to the side that beat Sheffield United, uh, McNair, Balassa, and Ramsey all coming in uh, for Fry, Housen, and Foss. Um, Dana, obviously, full debuts for Balassa and Aaron Ramsey. Uh, how do you think they fared out? Because it was the same like the struggle a little bit in the first 20 minutes or so. Yeah, I think a lot of our players, in fact, I think every player of ours struggled in the in the first half. It was just one of those, you know, Carrick put it as, as a sticky game. I think we were sloppy at times, our passing was off. Um, I think with Barlasser, he was trying to thread these balls through, but unfortunately with the way that QPR was set up, it was really difficult for us to sort of break through those lines. Um, but I think patience was just needed with that performance and patience was needed with the individual performances as well. You know, obviously Barlasser came good with the with the ball he played through to Atpom. It was very similar to the one that he played against Blackpool. Um, the same player as well that he was intending to get it to, but unfortunately his tuba was diving in that game. Uh, to to meet the header, he didn't quite get there, but it was a fantastic ball. Uh, Ramsey was, um, I, th- I think we'll probably see more of a, a, a sort of better games of Ramsey he is raw he's only 20 he hasn't played many games you know obviously his fitness has been uh under question because of his knee injury that curtailed his slow spell at Norwich um I, th- I mean he didn't stand out but that's absolutely fine because I don't think anybody did in that first half in particular and then in the second half I don't think he really stood out either um 
But I will say he did have a really good cameo off the bench against Sheffield United. So there's obviously something there. <clears throat> and hopefully we can kind of unlock that and and polish it a little bit um, as the season sort of, you know, progresses. Mm. And, and and Tom, it was it was a different type of win because that first half, like you mentioned, really difficult. Um, but it was the response in the second half that really got the result, do you think? Yeah, definitely. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, the um the comments from Carrick after the game where he's saying the halftime talk was pretty much him having a laugh with the players and stuff. I, I thought must must surely have had something to do with that. I think after that first half and especially after the the Chef United win, uh seeing that first half, I think a lot of managers might have been displeased with that, might have had a different reaction in the dressing room. Um and, and you know might be tempted to kind of have a go at the players, but I think it just does show good management where, you know, you've got that togetherness in the group and you can, you know, have a laugh with them, spark that type of reaction for the second half. Um, and and I, I think that's that's really kind of where the uh, where the game changed. I mean, looking back on the highlights this morning, we did have a decent chance in the first half where Riley McGree hit the post, um, helped with a, a DN save. Um, but... Yeah, it definitely was difficult. Um, I, I thought they had pressed well um, the first half. And I, I thought as well, uh, Balassa was maybe wanting a little bit too much time on the ball at times. Um, so I think it maybe just took him a little bit of time to to get used to the tempo of the game. Um, but then he, even after the second half, I, I thought he was caught up and, 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 and did do better. Um I think that might go for quite a few of the players as well. Getting gives the the tempo of the of the game. He's just the one I noticed most. But um, yeah, it's um, it, it was a good response. I, th- I think Carrick's probably uh, probably sparked it from uh, from the dressing room. But like I said, it's it's great togetherness in the team at the moment, um, and, and that probably goes back to an earlier question uh, where you were about the um, the similarities between this and the promotion team. I think they both got similar levels of that that team gauge, and so it's uh, it, it's it's good to see that we've always got that in the locker that to uh, kind of bounce back and and, and play better. Just to pick yeah. up on what you said there about, uh, sorry, Johnny, about Carrick's post match, I, I just want to play a clip because I absolutely loved what Carrick said uh, after. The it's game. not easy to to um, to find that rhythm and, and and fly out the traps, and I understood that. I had a bit of a smile and a laugh for the players at half time about finding your second wind and you'll be all right. Just keep trusting yourselves. Keep keep um, taking the ball. Uh, the worst thing I can, uh, from my point of view, is that we we start hiding and we start kicking it long and. That's just not us as a team. We've had all our success for playing out from Zach, taking the ball, want the ball, um, find them spaces and um, through the second half of what we've done ever so well. So I was absolutely delighted with him. I absolutely loved him saying that. He said very similar on BBC T's of just trusting the way that we play. And oh, I love, I honestly love him coming out and defending the way that we play because a lot of our fans do knock it and a lot of our fans criticise it. And it's what I've said myself. I really don't want us to hit the panic button and start going long. It is not the way that we play. And, and you know, yes, we can go long at times and, and try to play it out wide. I think that's probably the out ball there. But to play up, you know, up to five foot eight, Cameron Archer, as I mentioned on the last pod, it's just not the way that we that that we play. And I love hearing Carrick come out and defend the way that we play. Or not necessarily defend it, but just say, you know, this, this is how we play. This is, it's worked. It's got us to where we are. Um, I don't want us to play any uh, any difference. So yeah, really, really love that. 
Yeah, um, look, with long ball, like it definitely does have its place. I think like there's not many teams that play direct football on the league. Obviously, with with Mick McCarthy and, and Neil Warnock coming back into the league, yes, <laughs> it's it's very direct. <laughs> um, but um, and it, and it can work. You know, obviously, there's not many teams that, that play that way, so it might team teams might struggle against it. But um, for us, yeah, it, it really is vital that we play out from the back and enjoy enjoy that process of playing and and relaxing a little bit. But I was very intrigued by QPI yesterday and, and how they was trying to stop us playing that first half because I know there was a lot of frustration. I know people would be like, oh, well, why didn't we play well in the first half? And we were sloppy. But I, I personally think I think it's down to QPI, to be honest, and a, a little bit of Borough as well, and I'll come on in a second. But in the first half, when John, we, last week we spoke about a goal kick and how mm. um, Cardiff pressed. And then we spoke about how Sheffield pressed with the man-man system. QPI did something a little bit different, and I found it really interesting um, so when we when they were starting a four four two, and I really enjoy a four four two because it just gives you balance, flexibility, and there's a term called yardage, which means you can you can like change like shape ever so slightly in just a couple of yards, um, but it gives you that flexibility to do so, um, and, it's an, and it naturally creates a box um, between your midfield and your strike midfield, your defensive midfield and your strikers. And in the first half, when Borat had a goal kick or in, in like the their third of the pitch where Zach Stefan is in the centre box are. Um, they were like, you know what? You have that space. You have that third. Um, there'll be two. There was two uh, strikers in, in, in Law and and Martin, and they were there. Well, okay. Well, we'll press your centre backs, and Hackney and Balassa can have it. But we're going to have eight players, um, pretty much on the centre on the centre circle. And that is for me. What I thought was really interesting because it enabled Borough to you know get the ball out. Um, Balassa would have it, but if you made a slight mistake, there was a big press on them. Um, and when you have eight players um, pretty much camped on, on the halfway line, it's very much a case of, look, this is our numer- numerical advantage. This is also always trying to protect the space between Akpom and Archer, because if we try and nullify them, then they don't really have an outlet to try and get towards. Um, and also it'll force mills, but just keep playing it sideways. And then what you would see in the first half is Balassa would always try to play that that the extra not the extra ball but the harder ball to try and you know find Akpom or to try and find Archer or to try and find um a, a winger and they just weren't coming off and, and the, I think Middlesbrough were just found it really difficult because of their, their mid block and the way they were set up. But what happened is with that box itself um and how Mills were able to unlock it and it was just a, a glimpse in the first half. The one time we did was when we uh, Akpom had a goal disallowed. So obviously when you see in this box of, of the four you got Dickey um, I can never remember the other three players that I mentioned, but obviously the the, the I think Jimmy Dundazel and Jimmy Dundazel and uh, the Villa lad with a really hard n- name, Ig- number forty-seven. Yeah, number something. Yeah, so they were creating a box at all times, and they were just trying to nullify um, Archer and Akpom and just making sure that they couldn't float in between uh, the lines and, and create space. But Moore had the ball, um, you know, with Balassa, and they looked to try and play it back, and then. We end up we pl- we end up getting the ball to McGree, and what Akpom does really really well um, is he just he just pulls away from from taking goals on the left back and just creates just the space. And the thing the thing is with full backs in a four four two, sometimes you get too much space um, from your centre half, and then that's where a strike will end up finding the space to get in behind. We find the space because when you just pull away and you just get out that box of of the centre backs and the centre mids, um, and he was able to. You know, create that space, get him behind. He was offside, but it was a great finish. And Bora went on um, 
you know, in the second half. But there is a there's there's a key change in the second half, which I think QPR will be really frustrated about. But I think it comes from Borough not being played not playing well in the first half because in the first half, you know, we were giving the ball away. You know, we didn't look confident on it. They were they were winning the ball back in key areas, and they just became in the second half more aggressive, um, and they were able to push the fullbacks forward. But in in four four two, that obviously if you push your fullbacks forward too much, you create a lot of space. And um, but there's a clip that I want to just uh, obviously people on YouTube will uh, can see, but I'll describe it uh, after we've seen it. But essentially, Cube, yeah, they've moved to a man man system in that second half, and they wanted to try and press a lot of bodies forward. And that itself expands like that the from defence, the midfield, that space. So Akpom's able to pick it up and then play the ball through to Archer. And then, but they came out in the second half just far more aggressive because they had that incentive to play. But if they just kept the shape and you know played how they did in the first half and maybe came out in like the last seven, last twenty minutes, it would have been very interesting to see. But we did get the goal, of course. Um, and the Akpom just scored an absolute worldy of a header. Um, it was a lovely ball from Balassa. Nineteen goals for him now um, in the league. Twenty in all competitions. You know, the book star is coming. I heard there has been planning permission um, being approved just to be outside and um, just to create his own little shop. It's just going to be called Tuber's book. Um, my road to 20 goals. Um, but yeah, he has been coming up with a big moment, Sonny Dynamal. Yeah, I don't think football cliches would be best pleased with your usage of worldy today to describe some of the goals. It wasn't. It's Yeah, it's subjective, to be fair. But yeah, I mean, he is just brilliant. And I think you alluded to it on Twitter, on the on the podcast account afterwards. That it's just really good to see someone kind of find their place in the game. Because as I mentioned a few podcasts ago, Chibrat Pombard's got 12 goals prior to this season um, in England and the fact that he is on 20 in all competitions is down to him and honestly there's no more popular goal scorer in Borough Colours than Chibrat Pom he's just an unbelievable player at the moment not just his goal scoring exploits but just the way that he's playing the ability to drop deep into those really key areas of a football match when Borough may be up against it a little bit and they can't break through he'll drop deep he will be a genuine nuisance for players um, and the opposition because he's able to pin players to him and then spin around them uh, and move the ball forward his technical ability his ability to track the ball and move is just brilliant and um, he is honestly on fire I really wanted him to score the hat-trick because he had a chance where Dieng saved him from my view in the east stand it did look like even though Dieng had saved it that it was still going in this hot corner and I was like oh why but everyone around me was just putting one finger up saying one more like it's going to happen that it would take it would take something incredibly unfortunate for Chuba Pom not to reach 20 goals in the league um and even get you know 25 for example but it's it's going to happen and um I tell you what when it does hold the front page and hold the back page because it should be emblazoned all over the gazette it's just where did this come from? We've got a goal-scoring striker. It's just the best thing ever. And I'll never take Chubra Akpom for granted. Akpom. Akpom. Just to add on to that as well, something interesting I noticed this morning, he's seven goals behind Haaland now for this season so far. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> saying, isn't it? Honestly. Not saying they're similar, but um, Akpom's better. So Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I agree. I agree. You know, and obviously his goal in itself was like the key moment, Tom, which swung uh, the game Borough's way. Um, and then we had, you know, Ryan McGree finish the, the the game off there, and 
Shell silent for for Riley McGree. Um, was it because was it was it a penalty firstly for the for the second no. goal, um, and then the shithousery of the celebration uh, at the end? No penalty, no. No, it was it wasn't a penalty. Um, I mean, Riley McGree is on shithouse island for his celebration after Sunland, um, after the game at the Riverside earlier this season. But I think we should probably just call it Riley McGree's shithouse island because he's he's done a few shithouse moments here and there, like little small ones, but the accumulation of such. And I just, yeah, he is becoming like the prime final boss shithouse and um i'm really quite enjoying it so yeah it wasn't a pen but who cares we'll take it um <laughs> and at pomp god bless him um for somebody that's so good and important in front of goal from open play his penalties ain't great other um you know the horrendous miss the last one against burnley the one against wigan was bad but ben amos was in goal so he got away with it so yeah Hmm. So I actually judged Dieng for not keeping hold of that penalty. I think everyone could tell where that penalty was going to go. Hmm. I honestly think I'd have held that, so I don't know how Dieng <laughs> pushed that back out. <laughs> I mean, Maybe. some people are saying it that Akpom's so good that he assists himself because that's the second time now that he's he's basically like set up his own goal. <laughs> yeah, he just wants more goals from open play. That's what he's after. Hmm. There was a moment in, in that as well um, where... Cameron Archer held on the ball for the mm. entirety of the when the foul was was taken. Obviously, there was a round of applause as well for just a, a, a moment, and um, and yeah, he held on it for ages, then passed it to to Wackbomb, and you thought he's took all the pressure away from him. Then, and I was, I said, I said to my uncle Dave, I sat next to him, and I said he's going to miss this, and he never. <laughs> Um, and he did, so, but you know he put it away in the end. Um, but as the game was nearly wrapping up, um, Elijah um, scored a free kick from from miles out. Um, it surprised everyone, including Stefan. Um, but Tom, can you have any complaints about it? Because I think everyone was like, I don't think anyone celebrated. I think it was just like even the QPR fans couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was very, uh, very Joe Bryan in the playoffs. That wasn't it. So he scored from about fifty yards out with a free kick or whatever it was. But. Um... Yeah, I don't think anyone would have ever expected him to try and shoot from there. Um, definitely caught Stefan by surprise, as much as you know, there were people near me who, you know, anytime Stefan makes any sort of kind of let let a goal in that they think he should have been saving, uh, the blame will be on him. But um yeah, I, I don't think anyone could have seen that coming. Um, so I don't particularly blame him for getting caught out there. Okay then, and then finally, just the Cheek Slide Club, um, sponsored by the Cheeky <laughs> Girls, uh, Akpom and Ryan McGree. You know they've 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 moved away from from the knee slide. They thought, you know what, we'll do something a little bit different this week, um, and we'll we'll slide on our cheeks. And you know there was some, there was some good uh, some good slides there. You know they they get, did get a little bit of distance. Um, but I feel like we can review that another time um but it was good cheek slides and i've probably given them you know six or seven out of ten there there could be I more, more work did. Uh, he did he was just a little just a little just a little cheek slide just a little just just well Riley but... was Riley was was better wasn't it his celebration was yeah. it's almost like he he sort of glitched for a little bit his game mechanics broke and then he suddenly woke up and he just sprinted over to the um northeast corner and yeah. Uh, yeah that slide was really good actually yeah really good you know you really get a lot of velocity you know and then you're just gonna really just fly out the camera shot you know um and it was lovely to see you know really good celebration as well actually Akpom had two bum slides in a, in one mm. game yeah and obviously with that as well I, I really appreciate the effort the the players going into this season with the celebrations you know I feel like 
the, the days of you know when you used to watch Premier League years and it was, it was either the left hand or the right hand or both hands that would go in the air and you know that you do like the little fist bump uh, so it's nice to see us adapting you know maybe you know there could be a, a somersault in there before the end of the season we just we just don't know um but I'm all for the celebrations and you know I was trying to like Ted Lasso well at the the learn how to do um and sync um maybe we we do that you know um <laughs> Maybe that's where we need to, to go. A dance routine could be the way uh, to go for the next celebration. But let's quickly move on to the Brazen Place before going to West Brom. Um, Brazen Place is the place where to give praise to a player, coach and staff. And um, the Palmo I had yesterday, uh, Dana's shithouse island shirt and Tom's beautiful, beautiful hair this morning. Um, so <laughs> there you go, Tom. You, you are ready and glowing, sir. Um, anyway. Sorry, the present place. Um, sorry, Tom, you just you just looked so dreamy. Um, would you like to go first? Uh, this in the present place, Tom. Who is going to be uh, your nominee this week? Well, I mean, you might have to go into the present place after that, mate. But uh... <laughs> my third wheel in here. Dana, I love you just as much as I love Tom Green. Um, you know, we're all we're all friends here. But just Tom, um... you know, it's just when someone's glowing, you know, he's going, God, he's going today. No. Oh, Sorry, I, I made an effort before this pod, but um, <laughs> I, I think for me, Riley McGree in the uh, in the prison place this week. I think, uh, especially against Sheffield United, uh, Cameron Archer and uh, Chib Rackman will get the the plaudits. But you, you look at the last three games, he got a goal against Cardiff. Uh, one was penalty yesterday and got himself a goal. I just think he's becoming such a not even becoming, because I think he has been for a while, but he maybe goes under the radar a little bit, such an integral part of the team. I think last year as well, uh, when we first signed him, he was maybe a little bit overshadowed in his position by Tav. Um, but I think he's just grown so much uh, as, as a player. And, you know, to be, be chipping in with worldies, decent goals, decent assists and stuff this season. Like I say, just an integral part of the team and hope he uh, continues his form for the rest of the season. Dana Moll, who gets your place in the present place? I'm going to say Zach Steffen. Um, I know people people's mind will immediately go to Chair's goal yesterday, but his contribution to the game against Sheffield United was so important. You know, he made nine saves and expected goals against a, a 3.37 looking at Fort Mob. So, you know, no goalkeeper in the championship made more saves than, than Zach Steffen in that particular mid-game week. So, you know, I knew that he would have or have to have a big impact on that game, and he did. And people will say, well, you know, I, I would expect him to um save some of them but you know they came at crucial points uh in the game and and I don't think we can you know invalidate it so I think he was really important in that so I just want to mention Zach Stefan and then Cameron Archer as well obviously he will get the headlines from that game midweek but just for somebody that's really small you know five foot eight to be able to out muscle six foot plus championship defenders and good ones of that is just he's so explosive and we are so lucky to have Cameron Archer because he could have gone. To, he he should be in the the Villa first team squad, mm. to be honest. And he will go on to bigger and better things. I wouldn't be surprised if he was playing for England. Um, that's how highly I rate Cameron Archer. So, yeah, just a cold blooded finisher, and we saw that um, on Wednesday night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, both really good picks, guys. I'm I'm happy with them. I think, but I'll I'll, I'll go with Chubrakum. I think you know. 
Um, to see a player um, just be in the form of his life in itself is just, it's just so good to watch, you know, like his movement, his finishing ability, everything that he does at the moment is just gold and it's just mint. It's just, it's just, it's just so good to see. Um, and I, I can't praise him enough. And it's, he's always going to, he'll probably get the headlines because of the goals he scores, but everything else that he brings to the game on this side is just fantastic. And, Although I, I love Riley McGree as well, um, I just think that Chiba deserves the, the the space this week. And wow, just yeah, keep scoring Chiba. That's all I'm going to say to you. Um, but let's move on to West Brom then, uh, because Borough travelled to the Hawthorns um, against the Baggies and Carl Scarborough's sides are well doing relatively quite well since he came at the building. He's got sixty one sixty one percent win rate. Um, and a similar turnaround of Borough. They were in the playoffs for a period of time, but they have fell off ever so slightly in the last five games, you know, losing uh, three games, winning two, and then drawing one as well. Um, but they go to Watford uh, before they play Borough, so a really difficult game for them uh, to come into. But Carl Scarron, he's a very practical coach. You know, they are switching between the 4-2-3-1 and the 4-3-3 uh, for most games in uh, this season. They are relying on individual moments, but I would say... For Carlos Cameron, he's very, very good and very influential in games and the way he can change a side to set up and have them rotate in different positions um, to make things difficult for Borough. But guys, how are we feeling about this game in general? Because, you know, at the start of the season, we were thinking this could be a really, you know, this could, these, like us two could be up there at the end of the season. You know, they've got a fantastic side. Um but they had a really torrid start, uh, torrid start of the season, obviously, with Steve Bruce in charge. Um, and you know, no one ever wins under Steve Bruce, let's be honest. Um, but, <laughs> how's the bacon, um, did you say? How's the bacon, did you say? Um, Tom, how is the bacon, did you say? How are you feeling? About <laughs> um, to be honest, a little bit nervous about this one, and you know, I think that maybe shouldn't be after after the Sheffield United performance. It's just my mate made a very good point yesterday. We've done quite well at the Hawthorns in recent years, so clearly something's, you know, they're due something at their place. Um, you know, they're, they've, they're a good team. Uh, I rate Corcoran as a manager. I think when you look at last season, we all had Huddersfield now predictions to go down, I think. And then they ended up, you know, in the playoffs and... You know, coming in there and, and beating us at the Riverside and probably one of our worst performances, but they played really well. Uh, I thought Corbin set them up really, really well that day. Um, so I think it's going to be a tough match. They've, they've obviously got got a decent team, some decent players in it. Um, I wouldn't be too disappointed with a one-all draw. Uh, I think we, we get that point there. Then three of our next four games are all at home, which I think are all winnable, and Swansea away is winnable as well. So um, I'd like, obviously, to avoid a loss next week, and I think it, one one would be a, a fairly decent result. Dana, um, you're going, I believe. Am I, I am, am I right yeah. in saying that? So, I am. Um, how are you, how are you feeling about the trip to the Hawthorns um, and Borough getting uh, maybe a result? Who knows? Yeah, I'm excited. I've never I've never been to the Hawthorns before. I'm ticking off a few uh, stadiums uh, this season, but I mean they're unbeaten in eight home games. I've just seen, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a draw. As I mentioned last podcast, I think it's like twelve games um, since we last drew a game. I think we are due a draw. So um, obviously, we'd like to keep things ticking over with the wins, and if we get one, it's yet another big victory. But I think it's going to be 
um, a really tough matchup because I think Corboran is a wily um, manager and he will probably adapt to try to combat and negate Borough's strengths and to accentuate our weaknesses, as he did when he brought his Huddersfield side to the Riverside last season. So, um, he, yeah, I think because of the coach that Corbran is, I'm a little bit nervous, but I was nervous about the Sheffield United game and I don't want to get ahead of myself and this is by no means me doing so, but I think I just want to trust this team a lot more so I trust that we can get a good result. Whatever that means, it could be a draw, it could be a win, I don't know, but as long as we keep trying to solidify our place in the playoffs, that's good enough for me. Anything else mm-hmm. is a bonus. Tom's predicted a 1-1. What are you predicting though? Ooh, I'm going to go with, for some reason, 2-2 keeps floating around my head. I think it did last week, but I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to say 2-1 Bora. 2-1 Bora. Um, okay, I will go, I'll go, I'll take the 2-2 Desmond then. Um, I think it'll be a, a difficult game. Um, like we was all saying there, it's, a, it's going to be really interesting to see how they um, set up against us, and you know I'm I'm gonna watch the game again when they play against Watford this week, and hopefully I can understand a little bit more of how they play. But he's just so flexible as a coach, and he will change it. So it's I'm intrigued to see how it um it shapes up uh, on Saturday. But you know when we, the last time we won there, uh, we won two goals to nil. Um, and do you know who the goal scorer was? Any of you? Do you know who the goal scorers were in 2019? Do you know? Was it Britton Fletcher? It wasn't, no. But Fletcher's one of them. And he did score that absolute Oh, that, yeah. Oh, God, who else scored? Is it Savile, the other one, maybe? No. Oh, I I blame Fletcher for this because it was that that worldy, shall we say, the audacious strike from range that is sort of clouding whoever scored the other Mm. one. Oh, no. (laughs) Who knows the score? Um, I'm, I'm cheating. Go on, cheat if you want. Cheat I'm if you cheating, want. I'm but cheating. I'm I just will... trying to think of that team. I can tell you Pe- if you want. Pez was in goal. I remember that. Yeah, he had a really good game, if I remember right. Yeah, he did. He made a good save. Well, don't uh, you know what, Dana? I'm going to save you the effort. No. Um, the I goal scorer in the 17th minute was by what? Daniel Ayala. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. In the I don't remember that goal and at Ashley all. Fletcher. I can remember either. Um, all I can remember is Ashley Fletcher turning absolutely walloping one for about 40 yards and loving the goalkeeper, and it was wonderful. Um, and I think uh, Neil Madison's commentary is superb on that as well, so I might have to relive that uh, commentary. But, guys, um, I'm going to go with the, the 2-2. Uh, Desmond, Dan's going with the 2-1, and Tom's going with the one all. But that's it. Uh, thank you very much uh, for watching us and listening to us, as always. And don't forget to raise five star and subscribe uh, on YouTube and on the podcast providers. That helps us get found and chat and all that fun stuff. Um, and don't forget to donate to our fundraiser for the Morton Urine Disease Association. We are trying to raise a load of cash for a fantastic, fantastic charity. Um, but Borough take the blade to the blades. They jump through the hoops against QPR, but can they get four wins in the bag against the baggies? This has been the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and that was our Borough Mash Day Chatter in a pod. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 